Hello and welcome. This is Pastor Terry, and I'd like to welcome you to my Bible study podcast. This daily podcast is a place where we take the teachings of Scripture seriously, but ourselves, not so much. Join us as we dive into the sacred word of the Bible, and each time we read, we pray, we change the world. Welcome to Pastor Terry's Bible Study Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to today's podcast. It is Monday, December the 12th, 2022, and we are uh, now in the third week of Advent. And to uh, guide our journey through Advent, we've been following along with N.T. Wright's devotional guide, one of many uh, devotionals he has for Advent, but we're uh, in particular following along with the one, an Advent or Advent for Everyone, uh, based on the Gospel of Luke. Uh, how many of you guys have the book? I see that hand. Um, so the good thing about that is when we're not, to, there are a lot of, lot of benefits to that. Um, we can read along together, but the one of the greatest benefits is that when we aren't together online, you can continue to follow along and continue your own daily readings, which is what I've been doing. Uh, reading through the uh, devotional when we're even when we're not together. So, well, it's good morning. Hope you guys are doing well today and had a good weekend. We um, um, we had a busy week last week, as you uh, that are regular participants with the podcast know. Uh, last week, my daughter graduated from nursing school, so we uh, celebrated her and had family in from uh, Louisiana. We had family up from. Uh, Marco Island, and so Christy's parents, my parents were here, and um, yeah, so we took took some time to celebrate that at the end of last week. So that was a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff, and uh, and still, you know, Christmas stuff happening, Christmas stuff happening. Christy, uh, Christy's uh, office party was uh, Thursday, and so we had that. Um, a lot of good things going on. And uh, probably more to come. Today we're having our, our staff luncheon at Bayside. Um, and uh, so there'll be more Christmas goodies and festivities. And uh, the prime timers is tomorrow at Bayside, our senior adult ministry. A fun time. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of things going on. A lot of things. And then, you know, it just kind of continues to, to to be that way until uh, till Christmas. And then you just kind of. Uh, are numb <laughs> for a little bit after the holidays are over. <clears throat> but hope you're having a good time. Hope you're having uh, an opportunity to, as we re were reminded of yesterday, to sit at the feet of Jesus and to abide in him and not to be so overcome with all the activities and preparations uh, that we uh, miss the most important thing, um, which is being uh, abiding in jesus all right welcome everyone let's uh let's do this let's jump in you know what we do we read we pray we change the world we just read and see what the lord has to say to us there's no uh pre-scripted agenda we read it and process it together so let's do it this reading is from luke chapter 4 verses 14 through 30 luke chapter 4 verses 14 through 30 
Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Hmm. That that just sounds awesome, right? I mean, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. He gonna shake something up. I mean, you ain't even gotta read any further than that, and you know, some somebody get shook up. Somebody, somebody to go down. Jesus comes back to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Yes, sir. Word about him went out throughout the whole district. He taught in their synagogues and gained a great reputation all around. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Mm-hmm. So he was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Nazareth. That's why he's called Jesus of Nazareth, because that's where he's from. <laughs> Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah, but it, most of his preaching ministry was centered around Capernaum. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. On the Sabbath, as was his regular practice, he went into the synagogue and stood up to read. Now, I, there's a little part of that sentence that I think is often overlooked that is really important, as was his custom, or as it was his regular practice. Jesus regularly went to worship. Now look, here's the thing. If Jesus made a habit, some of you are thinking, oh, here we go. If Jesus made a habit of regularly going to worship, like Jesus felt like it was important for his spiritual life to regularly go to worship, to regularly spend time in the house of God with the people of God, worshiping the King of Kings, worshiping the Lord. If Jesus thought that was important enough to be a regular part of his habits, you think you need it? <laughs> I mean, I feel like I feel like if Jesus needed it to be a regular practice in his life, I think I need that. If Jesus thinks he needs it to be a regular practice, then I think you and you and I we we need that. Uh we need that to be a regular uh rhythm in our lives. Um to to go to the house of God, to worship with God's people, to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit with the people of God. Yes, you can experience the presence of God right where you are, right now, in the car, uh, jogging all along the street, uh, sitting in your kitchen, living room, wherever you at, by yourself. You can feel it. You can experience the presence of God. But there's uh, a unique a manifestation of the Spirit's presence that happens in the gathered people of God. And if Jesus felt like he needed to be in the presence of God, and he needed to make it a habit to attend worship, then uh, I think that's pretty strong evidence that we probably need it too. That was his regular practice on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, that's, uh, you know, Saturday. Sunday's the first day of the week. Sabbath is Saturday. That's the Jewish day of worship. On the Sabbath, as was his regular practice, he went to the synagogue and stood up to read. They gave him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. So he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to tell the poor the good news. He has sent me to announce release of the prisoners and sight to the blind, to set the wounded victims free, to announce the year of God's special 
favor. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's interesting. People say, like, well, like if you were to if you were to pick any passage in the Bible in the in the gospels, like which which verse would you pick to like summarize the point? And it's interesting because some people some people will go to Matthew 28. Uh, go ye therefore into all the nations. Go go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And uh, lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age, the Great Commission. But a lot of people, what is it all about? What is the Gospels about? Other people, and they're, they're not wrong, they will turn to Luke chapter 4. This is what it's about. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to tell the poor the to tell the poor the good news and set me to announce release to the prisoners and sight to the blind, to set wounded victims free, to announce the year of God's special favor. Yeah. That's powerful, man. Can you imagine being in that place when Jesus, the, the these words are rolling off the tongue of Jesus, and after he reads these sacred words that had been the hope of the people for generations for hundreds of years, 700 years from the time of Isaiah to the time of Jesus, and he reads those words and he says, today, today, these words have been fulfilled in your hearing. Mm. He rolled up the scroll, gave it to the attendant, and sat down. All the eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him. Here it is. Today, he began. This scripture is fulfilled in your own hearing. Wow. You've been waiting your whole life, and many people came and gone, never got to hear it fulfilled. But here you are, gathered here in the presence of Jesus, and Jesus says, today, this is fulfilled. Everyone remarked at him. They were astonished at the words coming out of his mouth. Words of sheer grace. Hmm. Man. That's true of Jesus, man. The words that he speaks over your life are, are words of sheer grace. And sometimes we have to be quiet enough to hear um, the words of Jesus being spoken over your life. Words of sheer grace. Even if they're gentle correction, even if they're gentle guidance, it's sheer grace. It's all grace. I love you. I'm with you. I am for you. I will protect you. I have chosen you. You are mine. I go before you. Those are all just some of the words of grace that God speaks over us. Jesus speaks over us. And the words that Jesus taught that they were sheer grace, it says. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? I know what you're going to say, Jesus said. I mean, that's pretty much true every time, right? <laughs> I mean, Jesus, Jesus could be, um, I mean, it's possible that a conversation with Jesus could be very boring because before you say anything, Jesus says, I know what you're going to say. Right? I mean, I know. But Jesus didn't do that. I mean, he, could, he literally could have had that. He could have said that to everyone all the time. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> and so here he says, I know what you're going to say. You're going to tell me the old riddle. Heal yourself, doctor. We heard of great happenings in Capernaum. Do things like that here in your own country. Hmm. I know what you're going to say. 
He, he knows, he does know, but he still lets us talk. <laughs> Let me tell you the truth, he went on. Prophets never get accepted in their own country. This is the solemn truth. There were plenty of widows in Israel in the time of Elijah when heaven was shut up for three days and six months. And there was a great famine over all the land. Elijah was sent to none of them, only to a widow in the Sidonian town of Zarephath. And there were plenty of people with virulent skin diseases in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them were healed, only Naaman, the Syrian. When they heard this, everyone in the synagogue flew into rage. They got up and threw him out of town. What are you saying? He, that that the, uh, these prophets, uh, it was a famine. So he gives examples like, uh, just like with Elijah and Elisha, uh, Elijah went to the widow and provided for her. But there were other folks that were in need, but they were unwilling. What is it? So he's saying he had to go, he had to go somewhere else. They, they would not receive him. They would not receive Elijah. He gives another example from Elisha. Elisha, there, could have, there were plenty of Israelites that could have been, could have used help, but they were unwilling. And so God went where there was a willing, obedient vessel, a Syrian in Elisha's case. And they didn't like that. Here they, 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 when they heard this, everyone in the synagogue flew into rage. That's why, you know, you got, we always got to keep ourselves humble and, and uh, open to what God's doing, not to put God in a box. Because, you know, we get jealous. We find out God's doing something somewhere else or working through someone else's life. Or it could have been you, but maybe you were thought you were too good to do that or it was to be above you or you, you didn't want to humble ourselves to do that. So God, look, God's going to accomplish his purposes. <laughs> right? right, God, the, the grand purpose of God for the world is not going to be thwarted by our disobedience. I mean, sometimes we get all like, you know, my, like, and sometimes we wait ourselves, like our, my disobedience, like if I, and we sometimes we like beat ourselves up, like, I gotta be so, I gotta be so obedient to God, because if I, if I miss one thing, it's gonna mess, no, look, God's gonna accomplish his purpose. If you think your little mess up is gonna, gonna, uh, overturn God's grand purposes of salvation for the world, no, man, no. So you can take that as a word of, a word of comfort and correction. Yeah, you could, you could. Yeah, you could, you could continue. You could just follow Christ and not worry about that stuff. When they heard this, Everyone in the synagogue flew into a rage. They got up and threw him out of town. They took him to the top of the mountain on which the town was built, meaning to fling him off. But he slipped through the middle of them and went away. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> he slipped through the middle of them, like just like um, he could. They couldn't. Uh, He's like, he like, like a superpower. Just kind of walk through the crowd. So boom. Just goes right through. They couldn't hold, it, couldn't hold him back. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Hmm. If you could have a uh, superpower, what could it be? 
Um, patience. <laughs> you know, patience is a superpower. Kindness is a superpower. All right, let's see what uh, let's see what the uh, uh, Tom Wright has to say to us today. The commentators were ecstatic after the game. He played like a man inspired. They said, "What image does that con? What image does that conjure up for you? A sports star, perhaps running rings around the opposition and scoring a brilliant goal, or from a different world, a musician, eyes closed, fingers flying to and fro on an instrument, filling the air with wonderful jazz." Inspiration. We use the word loosely. We imply that it just came over them, that they suddenly became someone different. Of course, we know that that didn't happen like that. The brilliant athlete has been training and practicing hour, hour after hour and week after week. Like the harder I work, the luckier I get, right? <laughs> That's the idea. Man, isn't it interesting that good fortune looks a lot like work? <laughs> Comes with a Work clothes on. <laughs> uh, the musician has been playing exercises, perfecting techniques for long hours out of the public eye. Then when the moment comes, a surge of adrenaline produces a performance, which we call inspired, but which is actually the fruit of long, patient, hard work. Hmm. I was thinking about that today, like just in preaching. You know, I've been preaching a long time now um, since, you know, regularly since 1998 but you know even before that there were sermons you know once a month or so as an associate and um in some ways preaching has become easier because i've been doing it for so long I've, you know i've there, now still there's a ton i'm learning every time but but there's a sense in which there's a part of it that's um easier because there's i've been doing it for so long and there's I, i've I've preached so many different passages of the Bible, and so my biblical knowledge, uh, thankfully, has increased and improved over the years. Um, and so, you know, so when when <laughs> when I when it does when all the stars align, and I preach a good message, and you're like, "Wow, that was an in, in some ways, you know, like how did that happen?" Well, it really happened over decades. Like that message didn't just happen in that moment. It happened over decades of of spending time in God's word for uh, spending time in um, in his presence and in his word uh, that 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 took time. And so it didn't happen in just a moment when there's a when there's a moment of inspiration or a moment of of um, you know, people say, man, that was a grand slam. You know, the sports analogies for a message, which, you know, are always, always feel good. Um, but the truth is it, you know, it was, it was the work. It was the, uh, the discipline. It was moments like this that we have together, uh, that places those deposits in, in, in our spirit and in our hearts and minds so that when we need them, they're there. Yeah. When Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, Luke has already led us into the secret. His years of silent preparation. Hmm. His life of prayer leading to his baptism. The confirmation of his vocation and then his testing in the wilderness. Then at last going public with early deeds in Capernaum. 
as the exchange in the Nazareth synagogue makes clear, people had already heard of what he had done elsewhere. Now with years of prayer, thought, and the study of Scripture behind him, he stands before his own town. He knew everyone there, and they knew him. He preached like a man inspired. Indeed, in his sermon, that's what he claimed. But what he said was the opposite of what they were expecting. If this was inspiration, they didn't want it. <laughs> so he's like, he's like, I'm preaching to y'all. I'm inspired. I'm filled. I, I'm with this because remember how this whole passage started. He 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 went to Galilee in the spirit, uh, in the power of the spirit. He returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit, the power of the Holy Ghost. Right, and uh, and it's like if this is the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't want it. We don't want none of this. <laughs> what was so wrong with what he said? What made them kick him out of the synagogue, hustle him out of town, and take him off the cliff uh, edge to throw him out over? What made him want to kill him? The crucial part comes in Jesus' comments to his hearers. He senses that they aren't following him. They are ready to taunt him with proverbs, to challenge him to do some mighty deeds for the, for the sake of the show. Heal yourself, doctor. The challenge is not too far removed from the taunt. He saved others, but he can't save himself, which they said at the cross, remember? But why? What was so wrong with what he was saying? By way of def defense and explanation for the line he had been taking, Jesus points out what happened in the days of the great prophets Elijah and Elisha, and in doing so, identifies himself with the prophets. Elijah was sent to help a widow, but not a Jewish one. Elisha healed one solitary leper, and the leper was the commander of the enemy army. That's what, that's what did it. That drove them to a fury. Israel's God was rescuing the wrong people. That's what Christmas is about, man. God's coming, and he, he's coming, and he's rescuing everybody, he including the wrong people. <laughs> the earlier part of Jesus' address must have been hammering home the same point. His hearers were, after all, waiting for God to liberate Israel from pagan enemies. In several Jewish texts of the time, we find a longing that God would condemn, condemn the wicked nations, would pour out wrath and destruction on them. Instead, Jesus is pointing out that when the great prophets were active, it wasn't Israel who benefited, but the pagans. Ooh. Mm. That's like someone in Britain or France during the Second World War speaking of God's healing and restoration for Adolf Hitler. Wow. It's not what people wanted to hear. Wow, 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 wow. Hmm. Think about that, man. When um, when there are conflicts, or when you know when someone falls out of favor, it's so easy to get in that um, that you can jump on the bandwagon of of condemning them and hating them and despising them, even different people, different countries, um, you know. And it's a reminder that you know this is a great reminder that Jesus is the Savior for the whole world. And that means the people you don't like. It means the people I don't like. That means the people that don't talk like me, look like me, think like me. I can't imagine why nobody would think like me. But anyway, 
I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But yeah, that's how we think, though, right? But no, Jesus loves the whole world. He's a savior for the whole world. What then was the earlier part of his address about? Luke says that the people were astonished at the words of sheer grace that were coming out of his mouth. Sometimes people have understood this to mean they were astonished at what a good speaker he was. But it seems more likely that he means they were astonished that he was speaking about God's grace, grace for everybody, including the nations, instead of grace for Israel and fierce judgment for everyone else. That fits perfectly with what followed. Hmm. Why then did Jesus begin this address with the long quotation from Isaiah, Isaiah 61, 1 through 2? The passage he quotes is about the Messiah. Throughout Israel, there are pictures of a strange anointed figure who will perform the Lord's will and execute God's judgment. But though this text goes on to speak of vengeance and evildoers, Jesus doesn't quote that a bit. Instead, he seems to have drawn on a larger picture in Isaiah and elsewhere, which speaks of Israel being called to be the light of nations, a theme which Luke has already highlighted in chapter 2. The servant Messiah has not come to inflict punishment on the nations, but to bring God's love and mercy to them. And that will be the fulfillment of a central theme in Israel's own scriptures. Man, that's beautiful. God, uh, the Messiah, you know, people wanted the Messiah to come and clean house to kick out all the pagan uh, adversaries and to, to uh, you know, place Israel on top of the pecking order. But the Messiah, Jesus, came to bring God's love and mercy to everyone, to the world. This message was and remains shocking. Jesus' claim to be reaching out with healing to all people, through itself a, though itself a vital Jewish idea, was not what most first century Jews wanted or expected. As we shall see, Jesus coupled it with severe warnings to his own countrymen. Unless they could see that this was the time for their God to be gracious, unless they abandoned the futile dreams of a military victory over their national enemies, they would suffer defeat themselves at every level, military, political, and theological. Here at the climax of the gospel story, Jesus, Jesus challenged challenge, Jesus' challenge and warning brings about a violent reaction. The gospel still does this today when it challenges all interests and agendas, all forms of injustice and oppression with the news of God's surprise, surprising grace. Wow. That's a fact, man. God's grace still gets people all, all wound up. <laughs> gets them all in a tizzy. N.T. Wright leaves us with these questions to consider. How does God's grace challenge human, human interests and agendas? And what sort of interests and agendas, whether military, political, or theological, are causing or perpetuating forms of injustice in the world today? Mm. Man, good thoughts today from N.T. Wright and the, the, uh, the sheer grace of Messiah that. Um, that came at Christmas, that came through at Advent, the coming that was going to uh, pronounce mercy and love to the entire world. And uh, what a blessing. What a blessing. All right, you guys. Well, hey, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your holy word. Thank you for these thoughts and reflections from uh, Tom Wright. 
God, thank you for my friends and the opportunity that we have to share them together and to process them together. God, may you apply these words to our hearts. Help us to live them out. God, help these uh, deposits of of truth and and righteousness uh, bear fruit in our lives, uh, in the way that we treat others, in the way that we stand on the right the side of truth and and justice and and uh, godliness. Uh, Lord, help us to be those who uh, peddle sheer grace. Let that be uh, be known of us. May people summarize our lives by saying that they're just sheer grace. <laughs> that would be awesome. Help us to live that out and to do that and to be that, not for our own glory, not for the pat on the back for us, but for, but for your great name. Lord, thank you for my friends. Bless them, I ask, and encourage them, strengthen them, whatever need they have, God. Would you just meet it uh, in an abundant and beautiful way? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for being on today. Thanks for jumping back on on this Monday edition of the podcast. Take a minute to share it. Take a minute to subscribe if you haven't already, to like it. All those things uh, really do uh, make a difference, and I really appreciate it. Um, so if you can do that, that'd be great. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll be back at it on Wednesday. Tomorrow I'll have my last men's Bible study on Tuesday morning, so I will not be here uh, tomorrow morning, but I'll be back Wednesday, and uh, we'll pick up right where we left off. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If this episode has been an encouragement to you, take a minute to subscribe or comment or share it with your friends. You can find me, Pastor Terry, and Bayside Church on all social media platforms. You can find Bayside at Bayside Church SH. Until next time, remember, God's word is true. Everything else is merely commentary. God bless you. We'll see you next time.